Thank you, Lord, Savior of the world. We worship you, King of kings, Lord of lords. We lift your name high, high above all of our troubles, our turmoils, high above all of our fears, high above all of our worries, above all of our insignificance, our sense of powerlessness. We lift you high above all of it. We worship you today. King Jesus, your Lord of heaven and earth, Savior of the world. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, my Lord. Would you just put your hands out like this this morning? Let Jesus lay in your hands. Just let him place in your hands a sense of peace so that you can be ministers of peace. Let him place in your hands hope so you can be a minister of hope. Let him place in your hands love so you can be an agent of love everywhere you go. Thank you, Jesus. The Lord put in us faith. Faith. To stand, Lord, when it seems difficult to stand, to be able to stand anyway. Faith. To believe, Father. To be strong, Father. Faith. Thank you, Jesus. Amen and amen and amen. Bless the Lord. Thank you so much, worship team. I'd never heard that song until Friday. I think I was in the uh, sound booth putting the words in, and I, I've never heard this before. I'd turn it on iTunes and play it, so I'd even know where to put the song breaks and stuff like that. And then I just got worshiping in the sound booth, and I was like, supposed to go meet Ken for coffee, and I was late and everything else because I got carried away. Thank you so much, team. Praise the Lord. Fantastic. Good to have you with us this morning. Shout out, Lord, I'm here. Amen. You saw me come up on the platform wearing my little mask this morning. That's because uh, we're doing everything we can here to uh, make sure we maintain all the right protocols. We're wearing masks all the time, all that kind of stuff. And because we don't want to go where Toronto is right now, do we? No. So we, we uh, Pat and I went up, we, we returned all the IKEA order that we couldn't return in the spring. Uh, so we had to have it in by the end of November. We went up on Wednesday, and tomorrow it's all shut down again. So we, get, we, we got in just in time, bud. Uh, we, we got that stuff returned. That was awesome. And so uh, we're just going to you know, have to up our prayer so that we see greater uh, you know, uh, uh, stoppage to the spread of this thing. It is good to announce that Hastings County, Prince Edward County, has... Uh, some of the lowest infection rates in the country. I think you have to go all the way to Sudbury to find a place that's even more, uh, you know, um, free of it than here. And yet, it, Kingston on the other side, you know, Oshawa on through, the infection rates have been climbing, Ottawa. So we're just really grateful to the Lord. So whatever you're doing, keep it up, okay? Just, you know, keep it up. We do appreciate it. Um, following the service today, uh, we're going to go right into our annual business meeting. Uh, and so we're going to do it right here, right afterwards. So uh, if you're a member of the house and you want to be part of that meeting, make sure that you're here right afterwards. Stick around. We're going to start it at, at probably 11.30, and it probably will only take about half an hour, 45 minutes, but we encourage you to do that and to stick around uh, for that meeting this morning. Well, you know, it is uh, interesting times in which we live. 
Someone say amen to that. But you know, the, the church of Jesus Christ has the answers, right? The church of Jesus Christ has the answers. And, you know, God raised up the church to be an authority in the land. That God created the church, his ecclesia, to be an authority in the land. In fact, the word ecclesia comes from the Greek uh, language, and it was attached by, you know, church, by Jesus himself and the apostle Paul to, to his church. But the word ecclesia actually is the, the, the people that were put in authority in the Greek language. Uh, uh, legislature, if you will, the ecclesia was the governing council of people. And so God had intended the church, the church to exercise the authority of his kingdom here on earth. And we have a subversive way of doing that. It's called love. Everybody say amen. It's called love. It's called faith. It's called joy. It's called peace. It's called using all the weapons, the Bible says, of our warfare, which are not carnal, but they sure are mighty. They're not worldly, but they're mighty, and they're able to pull down every stronghold and every imagination and every false thing that sets itself up against Christ. Those are the weapons that we have. And he invites us to use those weapons to have authority. You know, we're going to be having... uh, the School of the Apostolic, part two. We had uh, had it for the first time ever online, and we've been doing these for a number of years, but they're usually in Calgary, and uh, uh, Ken and I have been conducting these schools in Nicaragua and in Honduras and Costa Rica, different places in Latin America. I've also done the same over uh, in uh, the Philippines. Uh, and, but we're able to bring together uh, Ken is able to bring together the Spiritual Sons of his network, and we've got Dan Dyer from Indiana here with us as well, who's got an incredible anointing to talk to you about how God intends for you to be able to use the finances that God's put in your hands to be able to extend the kingdom of God. And uh, he's not just about how, it's not just about how to give, but it's about how to be in the place where you become a conduit, where the money flows in so that you can disperse it for the kingdom of God. Phenomenal anointing on his life as well. And so we're going to be gathering online again next Saturday and Sunday. We do it on the weekends so that people can be part of it. You got to work through the week on, and on, catch these times. On Saturday, it starts at 8 a.m. Pacific standard time. So that would be 11 o'clock here. And then on Sunday, the 29th, it starts at 1 p.m., 1 p.m., and that would be 4 o'clock here. And so we invite you to be part of that. It's going to be uh, a phenomenal time. It's only uh, a registration fee is $35, but you can pay that, and then you could have your whole family sitting around watching uh, online. There are breakout groups. There's all kinds of things involved in it. It's fantastic, but you have to register. We need to know who's in there and, uh, and how we're able to direct that traffic. And so uh, it is going to be uh, an amazing time together. Mark DeHoog is going to be one of the speakers. Mark is the one that we were praying for his son uh, who was diagnosed with leukemia, and he is now in uh, uh, college. He's studying the dramatic arts. He's going to become an actor, and God has raised him up. Brian Logan uh, from Westlock, Alberta, and uh, he is going to be uh, one of the speakers as well. Brian is worth listening to just for the accent alone. Uh, he's a Scottish man, and uh, it just sounds amazing, but he's got such a deep wisdom about the, the kingdom of God 
and uh, the journey with spiritual fathers and mothers is fantastic. Randy Cox, uh, Shelba Cox's uh, son, that would be Kathy's, uh, uh, and uh, uh, Carolyn's brother uh, will be uh, one of the speakers as well. Michael Sitko from uh, Manitoba will be also speaking, and then myself and Ken, and then our guest speaker from Indiana is Dan Dyer. So make sure you check that out. Uh, you register at the Ripple Center uh, .ca, and uh, you go there, and their instructions on how to register for that are there. We don't want you to miss out on it. It's going to be awesome. We had uh, quite a crowd that signed up for it in August, and we're looking forward to those that are going to be with us this time as well. Well, that's it for announcing some preamble today. Well, today is the grand finale. I'm closing out talking about probably a, a series of messages I've enjoyed doing more than anything I've done in the last number of years. Uh, you know, talking about the big three, you know, the big three questions that every person, every person needs to know the answers to. And uh, when I began speaking about this topic, I shared how as pastors, we're often the most delusional people on earth. We think that... Uh, that people remember every sermon we preach, right? Every sermon, they, they remember, they hang off every word. Uh, that they implement everything that we speak about. Oh, totally. That it's, it, it's all integrated. Our church. Well, of course. And, and, and that it's never needed to be repeated because everybody heard it the first time, remembered it, and implemented it in their life, and you never have to repeat it. Uh, and most pastors, that's the way they think, so they, they just keep preaching out sermon after sermon, one Sunday morning, another one Sunday night, and then, you know, they do the same thing the next week, the next week, and the next week, and never the same thing, and, uh, you know, we all know that you hang off every word, and every part of it gets implemented. And uh, so I started off by talking about how delusional that is, and so some of the things that we've talked about over the last number of months may not be things you've never heard before, but tying it together so that we understand the nature of how important these questions are, and then getting the answer right in our life is absolutely life-changing for each and every one of us. The big three questions that we're, we're speaking about, and we've been speaking about since August, as every believer needs to know, every person needs to know whose they are, who they are, and to whom they've been called to do life with. All right? Whose they are, who they are, and to whom they have been called. Now, when we talk about whose we are, as I've mentioned, we're talking about your identity. When we talk about who you are, we're talking about your purpose. And when we talk about to whom you've been called, we're talking about your alignment in life, the way your life is aligned. Now, I started off talking uh, the first couple weeks, and I only took a couple weeks on dealing with the first question, whose am I? Now, it's not because it isn't important. In fact, it's the most important question. But for the majority of people in this house and listening to the broadcast, we're believers already. And so we have a pretty good idea that being a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ means that there's a sign over my heart that says property of the Lord Jesus Christ. That I am a blood-washed, purchased saint of God and that I am the property of the Lord Jesus Christ, that I am his uh, grafted in, adopted uh, brother, sister, that I am loved, I am family, that this is uh, me, I belong to him. So whose am I? I am 
the Lord's, right? And that my identity comes not from who I am, not about how I'm uniquely created or my special gifts or my special abilities. No, 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 no. My identity comes from whose I am. My identity is crafted by God and wrapped up in the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ and the price he paid for me. And I am a son of God. You're a son, you're a daughter of God. That identity has to come out of that understanding. And when we get our identity from whose we are, we are on a firm foundation. Because that never changes. That never changes. Now, when I started preaching this series and I I talked about identity coming from whose we are, I had some people challenge me. They said, no, no, no. Identity is about who we are. And, And in fact, if you get outside of the family of God and you go into the world, you venture out into the world, you discover that most people do find their identity in who they are. They do find their identity there. And ironically, the more they know the answer to the question, who am I? What makes me unique and special and gifted and talented or my, my uh, physical attributes, my whatever, the more, more they understand that about the self, the more self-aware they are, the more successful they are. That you take people who are the CEOs of companies, those who are successful in any area of life, they're usually, they're not believers, they're usually people who, who are pretty confident in who they are. And so we, they get their identity from that. There's no question about it. The majority of the world gets their identity from who they are. But we, the body of Christ, know better. We know that we're to draw our identity not from who we are, but from whose we are. And if we do get our identity from whose we are, then we're unshakable. Now, when a person gets their identity out of who they are, you know, they say, hey, you meet them for the first time and you start a conversation. And this is particularly bad with men, all right? How many of you, you as a couple, you've went to a, a work party or you went to some, you know, event for the, and you've never met a bunch of these people and for the first time, I know this happens with my wife and I all the time, we'll get talking with, a, with different people at the, uh, the party and when we come home, she'll say, so you were talking with so-and-so, right? And I go, yeah, yeah, that's right. And so, you know, well, what did you learn? And I said, you know, she said, like, say, like, how many kids do they have? I don't know. Oh. Then she'll say, well, how long have they been married? I'm not sure. But I can tell you that they're a lawyer. I can tell you that they won their case last week. I can tell you uh, what their golf handicap is. I can tell you what their favorite sports team is. I can tell you all these things about who they are, but most of the information about, you know, that goes deeper than that, I don't have a clue. And then I ask her about the person's spouse, and she's got all those answers uh, figured out for me. And you see, when people start finding their identity and who they are instead of their purpose... You know, they, they'll say, well, I'm a, a lawyer, a doctor, teacher, mother, husband, electrician, business owner, whatever. Or they might stay instead uh, that I'm tall, short, smart, uh, compassionate, and they'll work, talk about attributes. But neither of those things are truly your identity. And when you find your identity in those things, you have a problem because your identity is being found and rooted in and based on yourself rather than on God. So here's the issue. What happens if, you're, if your identity is wrapped up in being a lawyer and you can no longer practice law? 
What happens if your identity is wrapped up in being a teacher, but something happens and you can no longer teach or you lose your job? What happens if your identity is wrapped up in being a business owner and the, and the, you know, the, the economy goes to, to pot and you no longer have a business? You no longer have that thing. What happens if your identity is in your looks, but then you get in an accident and you can't walk anymore or your, your, your visage is completely destroyed? What happens if those things change and your identity is rooted in them? Then you no longer have identity. You walk around through life uh, devastated, unable to cope. And that happens to people all the time in the world because their identity is in the wrong place. Our identity needs to be in whose we are. I am a son or a daughter of God and nothing, everybody say nothing. Nothing, nothing can change that. Neither height, nor depth, nor principality, nor power, nor things present, nor things past is able to separate me from the God who loves me. Amen? Amen. And so when my identity is in whose I am, I am on firm foundation. I am unflappable. I am unstoppable. I am a child of God. Amen? Hallelujah. Now, who you are, that second question, who am I? Well, that is about purpose. God did make each one of you unique. You know, there's no cookie cutter in glory. God doesn't stamp out people identical, right? Every one of us, the Bible says, is uniquely and wonderfully made. We are crafted by God to be different from each other. And our purpose is attached to how uniquely and wonderfully we are created. And this is one of the central messages of the gospel of the kingdom of God, that not only are you uniquely created, but you are also redeemed with unique purpose, that God has poured out a, a, a plethora of gifts and abilities on the people of God that make us wonderfully unique. And so that each one of us has something that we bring to the table that others do not bring. And so together, we make a very powerful force to be reckoned with here in the world. And God has designed us each to be a unique contribution to the whole. And that's why Paul goes in great length in Scripture to talk about how the head can't say to the feet, I don't need you, and the eyes can't say to the ears, I don't need you, and the hands can't say to the mouth, I don't need you. He uses that language of a physical body to help us understand how wonderfully, uniquely created we all are and how we all serve purpose. And God created us with purpose. But here's the beautiful thing about it. If we actually understand that we are saved and redeemed with purpose, then that actually can change. And the answer to the question, who am I, can actually change. My career can change. My, my physical abilities can change. And that's why, you know, in the body of Christ, there's no such thing as an irrelevant or an unusable uh, participant. It doesn't matter if my physical abilities diminish as I get older. I can still sit at the city gates and dispense wisdom. You know, uh, my purpose just shifts a little bit and God continues to use me to advance his kingdom. The beautiful thing when, you, when your identity is wrapped up in Christ, but your purpose comes in who you are, is that your purpose can morph and change throughout life and you continue all life until the day Jesus calls you home to have relevance in the body of Christ. Isn't that beautiful? That's how God designed us. St. Augustine said, grace 
is given not because we have done good works, but in order that we may be able to do them. You see, God poured his grace out upon us and he redeemed us so that we can accomplish great things for the kingdom of God. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, so that nobody gets to brag. We don't get to brag about who we are because God, not only our, is our identity in him, but our purpose goes back to him, points back to him. And so anything that we're able to do, any gift, any ability, I mean, we're so grateful to God for what he has done in us. And the beautiful thing is that if you finish Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 and you get to verse 10, so he says, for by grace have you been saved through faith and that not of yourselves, it's a gift of God, not of works so that nobody can boast. Then verse 10, the very next verse says, for you are Christ's workmanship created in him to do good works, which he prepared in advance for you to do. So he points out and he reaffirms that we're saved by his grace, that we've been given purpose and redeemed by his grace, and that all glory goes to him. But he affirms in the very next verse, I redeemed you because I've got a job for you. I've got something for you to do. And if you understand whose you are and you draw your identity from that, and you understand who you are and you find purpose in how God created you uniquely and wonderfully and beautifully, then you can say, I have something that I can do for the kingdom of God. He can draft me into his army. He can bring me into his family. I can help operate uh, within the kingdom of God and can be used by him in marvelous, wonderful ways. Hallelujah. Now, I would venture to say that many believers um, not only get that first question, they know whose they are, but they've even got a pretty good inkling of who they are. They maybe don't word it like that or have never had somebody curate the information that way for them, but they go, you know, I, I know what my gifts are. I know, I know, I know how God made me. You know, I, I know that I've got, you know, the gift of administration or I know that I've, you know, got the gift of, of uh, you know, uh, giving and blessing or I've got the gift of the apostolic or the prophetic or, you know, any of the uh, different 21 gifts there are listed in Scripture in the three different locations, you know, that they say, I know, I know who I am, and I know uh, whose I am, so I'm, I'm in pretty good shape. I'm in pretty good shape. And yet they still end up faltering in their journey, and they can't understand why. And that's why we spent, this is the sixth and final week, but we're going we're gonna to focus the rest of our time this morning on that third question. To whom am I called to do life with? And this question is about alignment. Who have I aligned my life with? Now, the most important alignment you'll ever make is when you get married. Someone say amen. amen. It's really important to think about alignment. I watched a video. I showed it to, to Pat when we were up in Toronto. I showed him the video by Creflo Dollar where he talks to people about, you know, if you're, you're thinking about getting married, you got to ask a bunch of questions. And he said, don't ever say, he said, we don't have anything to talk about. He said, you got lots to talk about. He said, you just roll out those questions. And, and it's so funny the way he goes on and on and on about, you know, what's your relationship like with soap? Uh, you know, what, what is your, your uh, 401k look like? What is this? Well, I mean, he just said, you got to ask a bunch of questions 
Because here's the thing, you have to know who you're aligning yourself with. You don't marry somebody, oh, she just makes my heart go. Still does, eh, Barry? Praise the Lord. Is that, is that just, just her or is it her plus her blueberry flan that makes your heart go like this? <laughs> do, you know what I'm, do you know what I'm saying? Like so many times I see couples and they come in and say they want to get married and, and it's all about how the person looks or how they talk or how they make the other person feel. And it doesn't go any deeper than that. And how they look and how they make you feel, guess what? That's not enough to hang a marriage on. It's insufficient. You need to know more. You need to have asked the questions so that you see whether your hearts are aligned together. You mean I need to agree with my spouse on everything? No. There are lots of areas where you're not going to agree. I love sports. My wife hates it. There's a, there, she wouldn't sit down and watch uh, one sporting event a year on television. I think the last time she watched with me might have been some Olympics. Uh, would have been it. Uh, just not her thing, right? But you know what? As far, far as deep affections in your life, sports, unless you're a professional athlete, is probably and should be way down here. There are more core things that you need to build your relationship on and your life on. And you need to be aligned with somebody who thinks the same way as you do, thinks the same way about work, thinks the same way about raising children, discipline, about honor, about uh, all their values. You need to have conversations and you need to determine uh, who it is that you're aligning yourself with before you ever think about getting married. And we live in a country where you get to choose who you marry, right? I don't think anybody that I know in this sanctuary has been in a prearranged marriage. So we get to choose. But here's the thing. We, my wife and I tell couples this all the time. Choose your love and then love your choice. Right? So if you're going to be able to do that the rest of your life, you better ask some serious questions, you know, before you choose your love. Because you're now committing to loving them for life. And so you need to be able to know that you're walking the same path, that you're in alignment together so that you can indeed keep that covenant, choose your love, and then love your choice. Amen? This is powerful stuff. It's profound. It's simple. But it is the thing that life is made of. Now, when it comes to alignment, we get outside the marriage question. We get outside the, the main relationship. Now we start talking about uh, all kinds of stuff. And, and I broke down to basically three uh, three relationships or three connections that you have that you need to have or should have in your life. That every believer, when it comes to, to, to understanding who I'm aligned to and who I'm to walk with, outside of your personal family, your marriage, it needs to be this. You need to know uh, every believer needs a spiritual father or mother in their life. They need spiritual friends around them, brothers and sisters in the faith around them, and then we all need spiritual children. We need sons and daughters. Now, this may sound simple, but it's missed by most people in the body of Christ. It really is. It's missed by most people in the body of Christ. Every believer needs those three types of relationships. 
And the thing is, our lives are protected by the ones that we do life with, by the, our spiritual father or mother, by our brothers, sisters, and by our spiritual sons and daughters. If you're a lone ranger Christian, then you're exposed. You're vulnerable. You're open to attack from the enemy. The reason we lose so many people along the way in the Christian journey is not because they, they don't know whose they are or even who they are. It's because they don't know to whom they've been called to align their life. They never get the third one right. They have no father going before them, no mother going before them, so they stumble on the path of life, not seeing some of the things that you should be really clear, but you don't see them in front of you because you haven't went this way before. You need somebody who has went this way before who can alert you to the obstacles, to the problems that you may encounter. They, when they do fall, they have nobody beside them to help pick them up, to say, you know what, it's going to be all right. We'll get past this. This is not the end. This is just the first day of a new beginning. And who lifts them up and helps them to put life back together again so they can go forward. And then they have no spiritual children. Do you know I read somewhere that most Christians go their entire Christian life and never lead anybody to the Lord? And then worse still, if they do lead somebody to the Lord, it's because they were a counselor, say, at a Billy Graham crusade or something like that, and they've never actually discipled anybody in the Lord. And yet, this should be the most natural process in God's kingdom. And that not only should we have a spiritual father or mother, but we should have brothers and sisters, and we should have spiritual children. We should have people that we've led to Christ, and we are discipling, and we're nurturing uh, and if we didn't lead them, there's still people uh, that came to us and we helped to disciple and lead them in the faith. Why do you need, why is it important for you to have this? Well, beside the obvious that somebody needs somebody to disciple them and, and father them and parent them spiritually in the kingdom, you need it as well because it's so important for you to have a spiritual sons and daughters who are there to cover your back. As you go before them, they're behind you, and they're covering your back. I had a conversation with Barry one time, and uh, somebody was saying something that wasn't very kind about me, another spiritual leader in the kingdom, and it was actually completely a, a bogus uh, accusation that they'd made. And, and uh, you know, Barry was like, you just got to go shut them down. And, uh, and I said, well, that's not my job. That's your job. You go shut them down. Because, you know, he, he's... A, a son, he's a brother, it's his job to go and say, you know what, what you're saying isn't right. And we protect each other. We cover each other's back. Someone comes to you about some accusation about one of the, you know, your spiritual father, mother, or your brother or sister, man, you shut that thing down. You put an end to that thing right now. And if it sounds really credible, you still shut it down. Then you go to that person that they're making the accusation against. You say, listen, this is what somebody said. Is this true? Because we got to talk. If it is true, I got to help you back up. Right? But we do not align ourselves with the accuser of the brethren ever. Everybody say, never. Never, never do we align ourselves with the accuser of the brethren. Instead, we cover each other's back. We support one another. We stand with one another. That's what we do. You also need spiritual children because you need to have somebody who's following in your footsteps. You know, all the things that you invested your life in, all the things that you poured your heart into, when, when you're gone, do you want those things to end? 
No, you want there to be legacy. You want that thing to continue. In fact, our goal, we talk about this all the time as a staff, our goal is to have our own physical children and spiritual children. We want them to carry what we carry and then some. We want them to use our ceiling as a platform for them to go to the next level in God. That's what we should all want, amen? We should want that. And then finally, you all need somebody that you're discipling, that you're fathering or, or mothering in the kingdom because you need somebody who's drawing on you. You need somebody who's pulling on you. You need somebody that's causing you to have to dig deeper and go further in God. You need somebody who's asking you questions and forcing you to find the answers. You need somebody who's pushing you so that you become better. We never arrive until we're in glory. In this whole life, we're constantly growing and evolving, and you need somebody behind you pushing that process so that you become more than you presently are. That's why we need spiritual children. Now, so we all need a spiritual father and mother. We all need brothers and sisters. We all need spiritual children. But you know what I've noticed is that a lot of people in the body of Christ do not have any understanding or answers about to whom am I called to walk and do life with. The idea of alignment is the weakest link in the body of Christ. And one of the things I've discovered, especially when it comes to the value of a spiritual father or mother, is that most Christians don't really want a spiritual father or mother. What they want is an aunt or an uncle. You see, they don't want somebody uh, who is going to, you know, give them guidance and talk to them and, and, uh, and then hold them accountable to the commitments that they've made and to the values that they espouse. Instead, they want a, an aunt or an uncle who's someone you go to, you can pour your heart out to, you can cry out to them. You know, you can, they'll be standing on the sidelines cheering for you at your sporting event but they're not the one that holds you accountable to your decisions and to your values and to your commitments. That's what we want. We want spiritual aunts and uncles, not fathers and mothers. But what we need is fathers and mothers. We need somebody who's going to do all of the things that an aunt and uncle would do, but then will hold us to the commitments and to the values that we espouse. We need somebody that will hold us to these things. And somebody that we can go to and we can ask questions about our journey and they will be honest enough to tell us the truth, even if, even if it might hurt our feelings. We need this in our life. And I love my aunts and uncles growing up, but... My aunts and my uncles were not my parents. They never disciplined me. Oh, they'd listen to me, but they, never, they weren't there to discipline me. It wasn't their job. I needed parents in my life who would take on that role. And it's so true spiritually as well. You might have some spiritual aunts and uncles, and that's okay. You know, they're the people that are going to say, way to go. Attaboy. You know? You need, we need attaboy people. Right? You know, Barry wrote a book, now a Canadian bestseller. He's probably got lots of people in his life that are going, way to go, bud. Out of boy. And he's grateful for it. It's not a bad thing. 
But he also needs people to say, hey, you know what you wrote in chapter 6 about such and such? You know, last week when I was over your house, I, I didn't feel like that was, that was really coming from you. And he needs a father or somebody to just say, you know what, Barry, I think, you know, that's a great ideal that you uh, espoused in your book, and I just want to help you stay on that track. And I'm not picking on Barry because, you know, I think he's got more stuff that he needs to hold a, hold a fire to than anyone else. But because we have a relationship and, and I'm able to say those kinds of things to him and, uh, and he's able to ask of me those kinds of things and we're able to walk in that. And it's been strengthened his life. I remember the day that Barry said the greatest decision he ever made was to stay in this house and stay in alignment with my wife and I and with this house because he understands the power of alignment. And that's why God is using him across the the nation and around the world because he understands the power of what we're talking about. He understands and knows whose he is and who he is and whom he's called to do life with. He knows identity, purpose, and alignment. And my final thought to you this morning is that if you don't know the answer to those three questions... With everything you, you have within you, Paul says, gain understanding. Well, no greater thing do you need to gain understanding to than the answer to these three questions. If you're here this morning or if you're watching online and you don't know and you don't have a relationship with God as your Father and you don't know whose you are, then we invite you today to start walking with the Lord Jesus Christ who is unto us a son is born, a child is given, And his name shall be Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, the Everlasting Father. So he's not just our Savior, but he's also Father. He's also Brother. I mean, he fills so much role in our life. You need to develop that relationship with him. You need to know whose you are. But then you also need to know who you are. You need to go to God if if you know whose you are, but you're saying, I don't know how God made me unique. I don't know what's unique about me. I don't know what makes me different. I don't understand what my gifts are, then you need to go on a, on a journey of asking God to show you where he wants you to serve, who he wants you to, to bless, who, how he's gifted you in the kingdom of God so that you can fulfill his purposes in the kingdom. And then finally, you, gotta, you may know those first two things, but if you've never really thought about who am I doing life with? Who am I accountable to? Because none of us are long rangers. None of us. So who am I accountable to? Who, am I, who have I given the keys of my heart to that they're allowed to open it up, take a look inside, and address what they see in there? We need those people in our life. And then we need brothers and sisters beside us to whom we've agreed and aligned ourselves with so that when we stumble and fall, they're there to help pick us back up. And then we, need, we all need to be discipling and pouring into spiritual sons and daughters. We need people that are drawing on us, pushing us, causing us to go deeper and further in in the kingdom of God. We need those relationships in our life. We need those alignments so that we become all that God called us and intended us to be. And you cannot, you cannot be everything God's intended you to be without the question of alignment answered in your life. You need to know who you're doing life with. To whom have you been called? Amen? You know, next week we uh, have the service that it's going to be exciting. We have our, our next generation leadership team that we've been putting together has, uh, has 
planned next Sunday service, from the worship to ushers to uh, speaking, Ryan Conroy, who's been doing his, his uh, Bible school online and stuff. He's going to be bringing the word next week. It's going to be exciting. Ryan's going to be speaking. It's going to be an amazing day, and we're so excited about it. It's going to be fantastic, and we want you to be a part of that. And then starting on the 6th, as Mark mentioned earlier, we're going to have Mark, this guy over there. Hi, Mark. Uh, we're, we're going to be having uh, two services. And the first one uh, is at 9.30. It's the, the message content will be the same, but it'll be curated in a way, just like how many of the young families were at the November 7th service that we had on the Saturday? It's going to be very much like that. There's going to be elements from Mark's uh, Children's Church in there. It's all going to be woven together to uh, have a, a one-hour time when you, the family of God can get together. And, uh, and that's going to be done uh, for the four Sundays, or the 6th, the 13th, the 20th, I guess it would be, right? And then also Christmas Eve, we're going to be two, do two services as well. And both of those services on Christmas Eve will be different than they've been the last few years because both of those services will be more family-friendly and oriented because we know that we're going to have people of all ages here and we know that if, if everybody that's come out to the two services we did on November 7th is here, we'll need enough room uh, to make room for people. We'll need both services. So we're going to be doing that. And then the 9.30 and then the second service is at 11. We'll have a half an hour to convert uh, and get ready for the next service. We'll need your help to clean and sanitize and all that kind of stuff that we need to do in order to be ready for the second service. Yes, this Saturday night. Uh, what time is it at? Six, I think. 6 p.m. is the family movie night, so all the young families, again, we invite you out. It's going to be an awesome time. Uh, again, you need to register online for it just because we need to track everybody that's here uh, and be prepared that way, but we would l encourage you to come on out. It's going to be a fantastic time, and we're, we're just really excited. How many are looking forward to Christmas? I found myself listening to Christmas music earlier than ever before in my life. I'm, I'm being honest. You know what? And I think why is because... I just look at all of the, the news, everything. They're just doom and gloom all the time. I just need the joy of Christ resonating in me. So I've just, I've just shut off everything else, and I'm either listening on this, my Sirius XM, either listening to The Message, which is an awesome Christian station, or I'm listening to all the, uh, the, the mu Christmas music that's out there because I am just trying to do everything in my power to stay focused on what really matters, and that is that he is king and that I shall overcome. Amen? And so we encourage you to do that. Fill your heart with good things. The Bible says whatsoever is good, whatsoever is pure, whatsoever is holy, whatever, lovely or of good report. Think about those things, and then the peace of God, which transcends all human comprehension, will guard your heart and your minds in Christ Jesus. Does that sound like a good deal? So focus your mind on those things, on those things which are above, and you are going to be at peace, and you will be able and empowered to be an instrument of peace everywhere you go. Amen. Let's stand together this morning. You guys have been awesome. Praise the Lord. Jess, I love the, the shots you were getting there this morning. You, you even, you know, focused right in on the manger scene there. It's so cool. Loved it. It was great. Uh, it is just awesome to have you here today. We're doing everything we can to include as many people as possible and get as many people together as possible and to do it in a COVID-friendly way, uh, in a way that, that causes and prepares us to be uh, prepared and physically distanced and honoring one another that way. 
But we also know that in this season especially, we need our hearts at peace. And that the body of Christ and the house of God is one of those places where we find peace. We want this to be peace for each and every one of you. So, Father, we're just so grateful that at Christmas time we celebrate the Prince of Peace and that he has come. And that this morning we sang many songs that talked about uh, faith and overcoming fear. And, Lord, we are not of those, the Bible says in Hebrews, who shrink back, but we are those who, Father, overcome. And that we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word, the confession, our testimony. So our testimony is that God is my Father. I'm a child of the King. That I am uniquely and wonderfully made and I have great purpose. And that God has surrounded me with people who are speaking into my life and I'm speaking into them. And together we form the family of God and we shall not be overcome. Father, we thank you today. This is our legacy. This is our heritage in the Lord. Amen. Hey, everybody. Pastor Kevin Dowling here from Desert Stream. Just giving a shout out to you and saying thanks for joining us this week. We trust that you received something out of what was shared today, and we hope that it spoke to you and that it encouraged you in this season that we find ourselves in. You know, you could do us a big favor if you would just uh, share, uh, like, uh, subscribe to our YouTube channel. Let people know that there's a place that you found that you're getting an encouragement and hope each and every week. We hope you plan to check in with us next week, be a part of our expression again, and help spread the word that God is in control in the midst of this season. We love you.